2: complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we for our part will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Crocorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, the number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the Freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Cilicia and Asia, stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated Cementus, say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stopped saying things against this holy place and the law. But we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked him, Are these things so? And Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our ancestor Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and go to the land that I will show you. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Amen.
1: Since today we are celebrating the the baptism of Coraline, I figured why not talk and remember a little bit about Jesus' baptism. Y'all remember Jesus' baptism, right? Like, on the day Jesus was baptized, his whole family gathered around him, mom and and grandma and great-grandma. They were there, right? So all of his family were gathered around him. And, you know, they, they flew in from all different places in Judah. And, and Jesus was dressed up in his, in his beautiful white baptismal gown, passed down from generations through Joseph's, Joseph's family, right? They recruited their best family photographer to come along and capture the moment so that they could have this nice little Facebook album and Instagram snapbook to remember that day. And after the service was over, they went home and ate cake. Right? Right? not according to Mark's gospel. (laughs) According to Mark, the day Jesus was baptized, the day he entered into the waters, heaven itself tore apart. It was ripped. It says the fabric of creation was ripped. This is a wildly different notion than our understanding we carry around with us about baptism. It's a wildly different way to celebrate that. I mean, way different than what we're doing today for Coraline. We come to worship and we see there's going to be a baptism in the bulletin and we come looking for the beautiful baby dressed in white, the sweet smiles. And we look around for the, babies, the baby cooing and, and sitting with their grandmother. and Or sometimes perhaps it's an adult who is being baptized, made the decision later in life and and, but we're still looking for that nervous, unsuspecting adult smiling nervously. We, we outstretch our arms in support. Generally for us in the West, baptism has become this sweet little ceremony, right? It's become peaceful and tranquil and domesticated, but not in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark's Gospel, baptism is a wildly violent, Act, where God breaks in, requested or not requested, and begins to do something different in you, in us. Jesus is not baptized in a Pier 1 decorative bowl meant to hold potpourri and those like glass bowls that I don't really know what you call them. Jesus is, is not baptized with water that's been pre-warmed to make sure that the baby, that he's not a baby, that Jesus doesn't cry as it touches his head. Jesus' baptism happens in the wilderness, in the wild currents and kind of rocky waters of the River Jordan. And as he goes down into the waters to be baptized, Mark says that the heavens were torn apart, they're ripped, and a voice echoes down, you're my son, you're my beloved. Even even the words Mark uses are violent. He calls what's happening in this moment when the heavens break, um, he calls it schizo, which is, comes from the same word as, as schism or schizophrenic. It's a violent, unsettling, tearing word. When Jesus was baptized, says Mark, the heavens schizoed. They tore from top to bottom. This water is rocky and wild and anything but tranquil. There is something violent and tearing and rocky that happens when God and Jesus enters the waters and Mark's gospel. And there is something violent and tearing and rocky that happens when we enter into the waters in Acts. Right after the day of Pentecost, the spirit falls, right? Early Christians could have done a lot of things, but they go home. And they begin to have meals together in their homes and in their courtyards. And they enact the gospel around tables. And it says that as they accepted the message, they were being baptized in massive numbers. And God added to their numbers every day those who were being saved. And in Acts two, we have three thousand. In Acts Four, we have two uh, we have two thousand more. We're now at five thousand. And then and then we get to Acts six and seven. And there's just something violent, tearing, rocky, that happens when we enter the wa- into the waters. In Acts 6, we meet Stephen, one of the church's earliest apostles, an early convert, one of those 5,000 being added to their number. Stephen had become known in the community as a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and he found himself knee-deep in the church's earliest controversy. The Greek-speaking converts have indicted the Hebrew-speaking converts, the Jewish people, and accusing them for providing more for the Jewish widows and orphans and poor than they were providing for the Greek-speaking orphans and poor. They're providing more food, more resources in their courtyards, and not allowing enough in the other courtyards. And so it's a matter, it's a question here, whose humanity matters? Who are the people people we're willing to neglect? Who are we willing to care for? This is the first controversy that comes up in the early church. Who are we willing to care for? Who matters to us? And therefore, that's a big statement, who matters to God? Who is included in this baptized life? The leadership of the church, made up of mostly Jewish converts, aiming to embody the new table life together while still clinging to the Jewish law said, this is not, did you hear it? This is not a matter for the leadership. This is not an important enough matter for us to worry our little heads about. We're going to stick with the teaching. We're going to stick with the preaching. We're going to stick with the baptizing and the finding new people and the building the church, but We're not going to be a part of this waiting on tables. Sounds like they're saying they're not going to serve dinner to people, but in the Greek it means we're not going to be a part of these economic, systemic issues related to worth. Who is worthy of God's love? Who is worthy of God's provision? And so Stephen and six others, many of whom were just, pulled out of the rocky waters themselves. I mean these people were baptized mere days before, just invited to the table are given the task no one else wants. the lowest task to make sure that all who are in need find a place at the table waiting on tables. And the story could have ended there, right? The story could have ended with Stephen and six dutifully um, dutifully like devoted, deacons, living out their call to care for the poor, except Stephen knew that the waters he had been torn out of, the waters of the resurrected Jesus, were not tranquil or peaceful or domesticated. They were wild and rocky waters. Stephen made a case for who mattered, what mattered. Stephen made a case for the heart of God, and it pummeled him. It tore him and killed him. Mark's account of Jesus' baptism is violent, and Luke's account of ours is violent too. And it seems what that whatever God is up to in the world, Mark and Luke want us to know that it will be marked by this kind of divine rip in our lives, this divine tear through everything we know. And this is news for us because we thought God was peaceful. tranquil we thought God was supposed to be our personal spiritual spa where we set aside some time to steal away right and collect our thoughts how many of you have said church is a place where I get to collect my thoughts and steal away from the things of this world and you know get rejuvenated get uplifted for the week with an encouraging talk while someone usually watches my kids in another room, which is awesome. (laughs) And and we've all got a lot (laughs) vested in keeping life as we know it, as we know it, right? We've got houses, we've got retirement plans, we're overly educated, upstanding members of society who hope our kids will be overly educated, upstanding members of society, and the best inheritance we think we have to give them is that. But the problem is, for most of us, at some point, somewhere along the way, someone baptized us. Many of us, like Coraline, didn't ask for it. Some of us did. For most of us, someone took us and held us over something, probably not a Pier 1 glass ball holder, but something, and poured waters over us, or submerged us in waters, whichever tradition, and God made promises to us. And since that day, whether we noticed it or not, whether we care or not, whether we choose it or not, since that day, we all have been torn between two people, two versions of ourselves. Since that day, for me, I've been torn between two me's. There's the me that wants life to be simple and calm and tranquil. And domesticated and I'm the least domesticated person ever so that I have the American dream right and and a legacy of some kind to pass on when that's the time and I I spend a lot of time and energy doing that and preparing for that and then there's the other me the one that started there at that bowl that just kind of tears me apart one that says, you know what, Michelle? To heck with the American dream. Build a life that is really worth living for. An SUV? Eh? Two-car garage? Eh? Perhaps Michelle's success might look like dying penniless. With no inheritance to leave anyone at all except that your life, my life, has been worth giving away to everyone I met most of my lives most most of my life my lives most of my life most of my days I spend torn between these two people and here's my point that being a disciple of Jesus means being torn so I wonder how you feel torn being a disciple of Jesus means schizo. and and, and if you know that sort of tearing well You know it Mm -hmm. perhaps you're torn between saving a marriage or choosing another path perhaps you're you're torn between Mm -hmm. perhaps you're torn every time I ask you to host a block party Mm -hmm. if if you know that sort of tearing in your life if you feel that maybe that's good news that's what I'm saying because maybe that means the Living God hasn't given up on you yet but keeps calling you back to this until heaven breaks open and the kingdom breaks out in your life. The art of discipleship, the path that leads to life, is becoming more and more terrible. Not T-E-R-R-I-B-L-E. More and more willing to be torn. More and more able to soak up these waters until we can be torn by God, just by God's breath. God just breathes on us. And and we're torn, ripped away from life as we want it and joined into the life that God has dreamed for us. So today we're going to have an opportunity to be torn back there in a few minutes after communion. But would you pray with me first? God, tear us, tear us, tear away those pieces of us that need to just, gosh, be torn. Tear our hearts open for the people you love, the people you care about, who matters, who matters to us and who matters to God. Tear open this church, may it be a place for all who are looking for this community to find love and hope and meaning. Tear open this world. Tear open this country and reveal in us the things that we have put on pedestals that mean so little. God, tear apart our dream and replace it with your dream. We join together in in that prayer that is is meant to be to invoke in us contradiction a tearing it's not an easy prayer and yet we say it so just off our, our tongue like we know it so well but we join in that prayer that you taught us Jesus our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy be name I thy kingdom come, come thy will, will be, be done, done on earth God. as it is in heaven